0: Hello and welcome to episode fifteen of the Perth to Paisley podcast, a podcast that I, Adam Kennedy, have dedicated to Hartlepool United FC, a side that's taken maximum points from the Betfred Cup group games and is yet to concede a competitive goal this season.
1: It's going just swimmingly for the Jambos, isn't it, Daniel McIver? It is. It's going fantastic. I genuinely went into some of the games going we're going to drop points here, but we didn't. And as you said, we've not even conceded.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, before I ask you about the Bedford Cup games, I feel as though we missed a topic of discussion regarding another cup, uh, cup competition last week. Um, this may be a kind of meaningless point discussing a, an equally meaningless competition, but <laughs> how do you feel regarding the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Challenge
1: Cup being cancelled for this season? I'm delighted. Like, I'm just so chuffed because I couldn't be asked. With that, I'd completely forgotten about it until we got the news it was cancelled. And even then, when it was announced it was cancelled, I forgot it even affected us. Just highlights. It it just highlights its importance for you, doesn't it?
0: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I I really couldn't care less. (laughs) I think it's (laughs) evident that that Robbie doesn't either. Um, You saw that with his tenure the first time around, we sent the kids to Livy, wasn't it? It was Libby, we'll we got the beat. Worst attempt. Yeah. Yeah. So, equally, I share your viewpoints. I'm pleased we've got less games. And it's the most, I think it's the most tin pot competition perhaps of all time. So, it's no great
1: loss as far as I'm concerned. I just um, think, right, see, I know that like, we've had the Iron Brew Cup and stuff like that. And you get other competitions named after things. But I think it's just because there is nothing more, almost more Scottish than Iron Brew is a Tonics. Caramel wafer, and just when it was announced, it was laughed at. Then it was like, obviously, if you want to get more serious about it, there's the whole discussion with the cult teams in it and stuff like that, and it's just a really, really pointless competition, especially for a club of our size who is like embarrassed to be in this league and associated with the competition.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, I'd go along with that. Is uh, is a caramel wafer your favourite tonic item?
1: No, a tea cake has to be. Oh,
0: yes, love that.
1: Who says a caramel... Listen, I love a caramel wafer, but if you're choosing a caramel wafer over a tea cake, you need your head checked. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's um, not where I thought this was going to go. I didn't no. expect this to be the start. I'm loving this. Uh,
0: uh, I've decided to host, it, it's already gone tits up like five <laughs> we went a
1: complete diversion, but I'm here for it.
0: But anyway... Let's crack on with discussing the Inverness game. So, by the time that this podcast goes out, we'll have played Inverness a week ago to the day. um, The Jambos getting the better of their main rivals of, well, this League Cup group and obviously the division that they're in by a goal to nil. What did you make of the Inverness game? Because for all the performance and the result was slated, Hearts could have and probably should have been ahead with less than two minutes on the clock. It didn't seem like we'd got off to that bad a start initially.
1: Absolutely. I think that's kind of the big talking point from the game. Like if you didn't watch it and didn't check the result and then you went on to either social media or certain fans forums, you'd think that we'd either not only just be beaten, but beaten badly 4 or 5 nil or something like that. Because I just couldn't understand the reaction. Like, yeah, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say we were absolutely fantastic and it makes me think we're going to win 10 nil every game but simultaneously it was our first competitive mar- match in over 200 days we won we kept a clean sheet and I'll be totally honest apart from a save that we'll get to I uh, imagine in a couple of minutes from Craig Gordon I never thought we looked like conceding either well yeah,
0: I mean that, that that save was obviously a big a big talking point. I think initially having, well, we should have taken that the Walker and Naismith chances or simultaneous chance, if you like, to go one 0 up. Mm-hmm. But then a couple minutes later, obviously Gordon makes that save, which I've got to be honest, I thought was a brilliant diving header and good, well, decent enough delivery. But the save was fantastic. Do you do you feel as though we were let off the hook even so early on or just throughout the game. Like what, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you think, would you have been that surprised had Inverness taken the lead with that? Or was it just,
1: no, I mean, it was a great C. Yeah, I get your point. Like I think if that had went in, we couldn't really have had any complaints. However, it just is a testament to Craig Gordon that, that's if if he had conceded that, I don't think any hearts hammer would have been like, Oh, for God's sake, what are you doing? Like, the fact he made it and the fact that we're talking about how good a save is, it is, is a testament to how, how ridiculous it is. He, he not only manages to get a touch on it because even if he gets a touch in it, it could still go in, but it's the fact that he kind of claws it, it back up into the air so he can claim it. It's just it was like remembering. Because it was at that moment where I was kind of like, oh, God, yeah, we've got a goalkeeper in goals now.
0: The nostalgia was just kind of flowing through your veins at that point, wasn't yeah.
1: it? Yeah. It, honestly, to me, that is in his collection, the greatest saves ever. It's a big claim. I mean, that, that's it doesn't a big claim take the pl- It doesn't take the place of any, but it's n- no. for me, it has to be now included in the highlight package of his
0: career. It was certainly some way to mark your, your second Hearts debut. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from a Hearts perspective, in that first half, there was only a couple really kind of half chances of note. There was Halkett heading over from a an Andy Irving free kick, and obviously Craig Whiten smashing the, uh, the Demba bar. But other than that, I thought it was pretty quiet that first half, despite probably having the better run of things would you not say
1: i do agree i think josh Gennelli was fa- josh ginelli got man of the match for me purely off his first half performance
0: mm-hmm. yeah which is I,
1: weird because i said actually in the first five minutes that i thought he looked rubbish
0: it's, it's amazing how somebody could change your perspective even just in that brief amount of time in the first five minutes,
1: thought... he literally misplaced like three passes in a row and I went, this guy's hopeless. And then he had that first half performance. I was like, how can you go from like looking like you've never kicked a ball to being our main threat?
0: And then of course he wins the penalty for us to ultimately score the winner from. Exactly. Did,
1: did you Was it a penalty for you? Yes, but it's very, very harsh. I yeah. do think it is a penalty, but I get because obviously you see the Inverness players rush Steve McLean, and you can see Steve McLean explaining why. And he's saying, as the boy's turned, he's, he is bringing his arm in, right? But the way he's turned, he's making his arm stick out. If he turned just kind of, I know I'm literally doing physical theatre here on a podcast, um, but if he had just turned with his arms completely by his side, it would be different. But he's got it up and bent out of his body as the ball hits it. But I do agree that it's very harsh. I mean, I think it was kind of a result
0: of that second half pressure eventually persisting, wasn't it? Because... Mm -hmm. Jamie Brandon and Ollie Lee obviously both had efforts on goal. There was a a Popescu header that sailed narrowly wide. So we were certainly knocking on the door. I think it is a penalty, but I'm not going to pretend like it isn't soft or that if Callie had got that penalty, I wouldn't... I mean, I would be raging. Yeah, I'd be raging. It's soft, and ultimately it did let us off the hook for not taking our chances. But I was going to say a kind of quick question. Now that Liam Boyce has obviously entered the fray again... I'm not sure whether he'll make the Tuesday match. Um, yes, is, he's going
1: to. Nielsen's well, confirmed he's going to. I was going, going
0: to say, are, has he got to start on Friday night for you? Or are we better preserving him on the bench for firstly the Wraith game and maybe also Dundee as well? Because we've got Stephen Naismith who has obviously played centre forward for Scotland semi recently ahead of Jamie Walker. Because we're going to talk about Craig Whiting and whatever not firing. But would you, would you chuck Boyce immediately back in just because of the lack of cutting edge
1: in, in recent games? First thing, I just want to say before people jump away, I know we, I, I said that wrong, it's not available for well, tonight's game as you're listening to this I meant Friday, um, but I personally would um, just because I think you notice it where all the play for example, take Janelli in that first half every single ball he put in the box was going for the near post, Liam Boyce scored twice in pre-season and both of them were running in at the near post and just nicking it past the keeper, you can tell, and as Nielsen has said extensively, that all signings he's made has been to accommodate Boyce. So we've built a system around Boyce, and we've just not had him in these first two games. So as a result, yeah, listen, he's probably going to be a bit tired, but he's not, like, for example, as we know, he came on to score the winning penalty, Uh, for Northern Ireland and then he came on again for a couple of minutes last night as we record this it's not like he's played a lot of football so I think he should be all right to start but what about you because do you feel we need him or would you kind of slowly bring him back in well
0: this this is the kind of predicament that I'm in because we've obviously both been singing Whiting's praises in Mm pre-season
1: um
0: I just I just don't know when that first goal's going to come, mate. Really I'm going to don't. tell you this.
1: I'm going to continue singing his praises.
0: Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He has looked sharp, but it does seem as though there's something mentally not quite there. He does seem a little bit... I don't know whether it's a, a hesitance thing or if he's just not go- uh, just a lack of confidence i don't know
1: i think but- he'd also been really unlucky both his chances against inverness one of them hit the bar and one of them was just straight into ridges hands and you go if that's a yard one way or the other in both cases it goes in and then we'll obviously get in the county beef game he had a really good chance there as well but for me i think he's going to be suffering because i think he needs a partner because whenever you see there was a ball played in during both the Park Thistle friendly, the one at Tynecastle, and the Tuesday night game at Inverness, where Janelli both times played a ball, and you think Whiten is going to take a touch and play it, and then shoot, sorry, but instead, he actually both times does a really nice back heel into the middle of the box, but Walker, both times fun enough, just can't get there. I think if he had a partner to play off, he would be a lot I think people would appreciate him more because people were slating waiting on Tuesday night, and I just didn't understand it. But yeah, he wasn't fantastic. But he nutmegged a guy with a back heel at one point. I will never criticise a player in a game if they do that, especially if they're a six foot two, stocky striker. Who yeah, if Janelli's doing that, you kind of expect it. You don't expect Craig white to be doing that, but. I feel bad for him because I just think the system we play isn't going to suit him unless he is one of those strikers that gets a goal and then just goes on one of those runs where it's like, as you say, they just need that one thing and then they're off. But I feel a bit bad for him because Boyce is one of those strikers. I think Boyce would have scored all three of the chances he had.
0: Yeah, it's it's that kind of cutting edge. And Boyce is a proven goal scorer even in a terrible team. So so you think that Whiten should have what are we talking, like a, a target man type up with him? Because obviously a lot's been made of the fact that the number nine shirt's vacant. Do you, mm. do you
1: anticipate another striker coming in? I think there will be a striker coming in, in either as a free agent or in January. And I'm not saying we should play a two up front because I think we've played this 4-2-3-1 all pre-season and in these two games. I do think it's our best system, but I just feel bad for him because I think that if we did change it up, and go with a two, he would be better equipped. But I don't think we should do that, because I think it would be... Whilst I think it would benefit him, I think it would be a detriment to other players around him.
0: That's that's fair enough. I think the the next two fixtures are obviously against a team that he spent time on loan at, and the side that we bought him from. Can, can you see him netting against either Wraith or Dundee? Do you think, do you think it'll it will start?
1: It, it could... It's literally a week where if you believe in a god of football, you just go, they're the two games that he'll score in because he's got some kind of personal connection to. Um, as I say, I don't think he'll be able, I don't think he'll start on Friday unless he scores against Wraith tomorrow night as we record this and tonight as you guys are listening to this. Um, purely because I think Robbie will look at it as going, right, I've given you three games now. He's not given them three full games in fairness, but He's given them a lot of game time and I think Robbie's logic is if you're not going to score against maybe Inverness is a bit harsh but Wraith who are a weak side in this division and Cowden Beath who are obviously several divisions below us you're probably not going to do it against one of the air quotes here and I use massive air quotes stronger teams in this division I think that'll be Robbie's logic whether or not I agree with it is a different point but I think that's roughly what Robbie's going to do no, I,
0: I think I think that makes sense, because I've also seen talk that Stephen Naismith and Jamie Walker, you know, both occupying that 10 do seem kind of similar.
1: Oh, I we need gonna, to speak about that, actually, yeah, because yeah, on Tuesday I, that was the most infuriating thing in the world.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, does Whiten start for you ahead of Stephen Naismith, or would you be obliged to put Naismith with Walker in behind and then bringing like a Jordan Roberts or whatever on the left, no, because on Tuesday, it seemed clear that A. D. White had that entire left <laughs> flank himself because Nasey and Walker were both occupying a kind of mid or central role in behind Whiten, with obviously Janelli on the right.
1: I felt uh, A quick thing before I answer your question. I felt quite bad for Eddie White because, listen, he's just not up to it, right? He's not up to our level. He shouldn't be in this team. But at the same time, he was having to make 100-yard dashes every single time we made a move because, as you say, I think it was meant to be Walker out on the left. I have to assume because there's yeah, no way it can okay, be Naismith okay. out, out wide. Walker was just like, nah, I'm going to be in the 10. So Aidy White must have just been looking at this going... What am I to do? Like, I'm AD right. It's not like um, Jordan Roberts with that pace who can get up and down there. But I felt quite bad for him. Um, but personally, no, I wouldn't. Purely because I like I was so annoyed at Naismith <laughs> at the weekend. We'll get into that, but when we speak about the beef game, but I, I would play Roberts on the left, Janelli on the right, White in that front and Walker in ten, if that was if we can't play Boyce, I'd rather start Whiting over Naismith. Because I think whiting has been better than Naismith in the last two games. Interesting.
0: Very interesting. Even despite the lack of obviously I don't want to say end product, but more so goals. Yeah, because Because he offers more. I think he he offers pretty selfless,
1: doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, because you're right. He's not scored. Oh, Naismith hasn't either, but I feel like Whiten's offered more, like he's got any better spaces, he's, his link-up play seems a bit better. Now listen, yes, I know, Naismith isn't fully really fit, and it was Naismith, my main criticism was for the Cowden Beast game where it was on a plastic pitch where I never would have started him. I would never have played him, period. But still, he just looks like a passenger, and that was so frustrating on Tuesday night where it was like, why are you two just like hugging each other at the edge of the D? Like, when Walker clearly is better in that position just now, whether that be fitness or just match sharpness, just put Walker there and have Roberts out wide. And if you go to use Naismith, it will be interesting to see Naismith on Tyne Castle up front on his own with Naismith with Walker behind. That could be different. But honestly, just now, we would rather have White in. And I know Focal completely rinse me for that and get annoyed at me, but I just feel so far Naismith has offered nothing do you, do you think that Whiten's that selfless because of
0: his lack of goals? Or do yes. you think it's just, yeah. Do you yeah, think confidence has think got so. a big part to play with it? Yeah, Because definitely. it seems as though Nase would be more selfish for me. And I don't know whether I'd rather that in a centre-forward as opposed to somebody that's not looking to be
1: the kind of talisman or whatever. I, I, I would agree with that generally. Like, for example, I want Boyce to be selfish. I want yeah. Boyce to just be taking the ball and going, I can shoot. But so far, Naismith's doing that and is offering the exact same as Whiting. No, that's fair enough. That, that, that's understood. I've got to be honest because I think
0: it is, it is a huge worry for me because it feels as though we have to get We have to get Boyce and or Naismith firing because I don't know when Whiting's going to hit the, hit the net. I really, I really want it to happen soon. And I think I'm not going to say I think it will happen soon, but I'm fairly confident that it's, it's got to happen. It, it has to happen. Because if, if it doesn't, ultimately, what does that say? That's kind of his heart's career over before it's really even it's began. It's going to be
1: one of them where it's like he tries to do all these things where it's like he's hit the bar, he had a diving head and stuff like that. The first goal he scores is going to ricochet off his arse, go in top corner, and then that's when you'll start firing.
0: Because the monkey will be off his back and whatever. Yeah.
1: Like, I don't care how he does it. I just want him to score. Um,
0: so, obviously, I mean, it was nice to get the win. I do think that Nikolai Todorov nearly came back to haunt us with, with one or two chances. He's but rubbish,
1: think. man. Imagine it, if he was good. We would have been beat 2-1. Well, this is what
0: I was going to say, because it perhaps wasn't as convincing as I, you, or many of the fan base have predicted. A clean sheet is obviously a bonus. Grabbing the win when we haven't been at our best is a big plus. But do you not think it was kind of overwhelming,
1: underwhelming uh, on the whole? Not because I went in predicting one all. I know on here I said 2-0, but 10 minutes before the game, I text my dad going, this is going to finish 1-0. Because I didn't think that our first competitive game would, would go fantastically. I think even the first half was enough for me. Because I was like, that's showing me something. Yeah, it was underwhelming towards the end, but I kind of expected it. And I'm not trying to be like, I predicted it, so therefore I'm better than everybody else. No, that's not what I mean. I just mean that I didn't go in thinking it's going to be three or four or five now.
0: I, I I said three on here. I don't know whether that's just me painting a picture that doesn't exist, but... I think
1: we were both excited ahead of the, new g- the game. <laughs> so yeah. we were both just being like, this is what we want to happen. <laughs> we're going to go in and smash them. Um,
0: but no, I think for me, do you know what? I think bizarrely, Ewan Henderson's mislead on sums it up Oh, for me. he's hopeless, man. I, okay. oh, he's rubbish. <laughs> because he's clean through. He should really wrap up the win, make it look more convincing than it perhaps was. But evidently, kind of tells the tale of the game, which was, for me, we're still lacking that killer instinct. Was Why, is a Why is he going near
1: post? Why is he going near post? He's got like 80% of the goal to aim for as Mark Ridgers has taken up a complete stance at his near post. All he has to do is wrap his foot around it and he just, he doesn't even, I was about to say he drills it at his front post. He doesn't. He like passes it to Ridgers. He was to kind
0: of slot it near post when he should just drill it far post. Yeah.
1: Oh, that got me – that got me the most annoyed at the whole game because I was annoyed that he came on because I'm, like – You're not a fan. I am not a fan of Ewan Henderson. I will say this now, right? I, like, I got slaughtered on my opinions here a couple of weeks ago through folk who were criticising my thoughts about Anthony McDonald, even though I was like, I like him. I just think Conor Smith's a better player. Like, Ewan Henderson is nowhere near the talent. Anthony McDonald, Lewis Moore, Harry Cochran, Andy Irvin, Connor Smith, oh, Scott geez. McGill. Like, uh, uh, he's infuriating to me.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Scott McGill, because obviously he made his debut at the weekend when we went it's... to New Bayview to take on Beef. I messaged you after conducting my research for BFBS, but the Blue Brazil were a side that in the six meetings before Saturday... We'd scored 26 goals past, conceded just twice to in those six games. If I thought Tuesday was underwhelming, what did you make of the weekend win? Because obviously I was working on Saturday till three, but I've caught the highlights. Hearts TV showing four minutes of highlights tells me everything I needed to know. Was it worth the dough? Because I have to say, I'm delighted that I didn't give Donald Finlay any money. Obviously disappointed I missed the game. But now... I mean, we all missed back. the
1: first 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> well, looking back, I don't think I'm that disappointed
1: that I missed it. Right. Listen. Do you know what? Actually, actually, this is what I'll do. Because my dad was in the exact same position. He, he messaged me every time because the amount of mentions he gets on this podcast is quite frankly sickening. However, <laughs> he, he also couldn't watch it. So he asked me to summarise my thoughts. And this is what I said. I said bad. We're missing our three best players, which will affect it, and playing on a plastic pitch is also different, but still not great. Halkett and Popescu, in my opinion, absolutely strolled the game, looked very good, which is the only real major positives. Young McGill looked really bright for his first start. I thought he looked really, really good. And quite surprisingly, I said, Freer did really well off the bench and changed the game. But it's still so disjointed up top. Naismith doesn't get into my strongest team currently, but if he did, playing them on that plastic pitch of suicide, as I mentioned earlier. Um, he was a complete passenger, as he just didn't want to commit to too much. But, and then this is the main point for me. I don't understand playing Walker out wide right, Naismith in the hole, and Janelli up front, which we did for kind of the latter half of the first half. When Janelli naturally is out wide right, Walker is naturally out uh, number 10, and Naismith is naturally up front. We're just playing players out of position for some reason, I didn't get that, um, and then overall, I was like very slow to move the ball times. Really missed Irving in the middle, but again, never got to complain about a win. We are clearly still treating this as preseason. It is our only our second competitive game, and I never for th- if I said I didn't really think we were going to concede in the Inverness game, I can't remember a chance Kieran Beef had. I remember Gordon made a save, but it was really routine, and I can't even remember where it was from. So. I think it was pretty poor. No one is going to say that that was great. Nielsen himself said he wasn't happy with it. But we got the win, another clean sheet, and we're two wins from two.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's great you're saying that. And I I do agree. I'm I'm obviously pleased that we're picking up the results and whatever. But, I mean... why is it not working for us in front of goal at the minute? Because we've not, con- we've not scored, rather, from open play. Our goals have come from a Walker penalty, which you could debate against Inverness. And now, obviously, a Halkett header from eh, the corner against Cowdenbeath. So, are you, are you a bit concerned? Because I've got to be honest, I am. Or do you think it's just a matter of time before we start battering teams? Like, How worried are
1: you? I'm not worried at all yet. Purely because we're missing boys. And as I said earlier... In, in my opinion, our entire system operates behind them. It could be a worry if it gets hurt later on and you go, God, what are we going to do now? But just now, I'm not I'm not gonna worry until we're putting out that kind of performance with our strongest team in the park 10 games in a season. If we do that against like Alawa in December or something, once And we've regularly been doing that. Because obviously we're going to have blips. We're going to have games where we either are rubbish and still win or we actually lose slash drop points in general. We did that the first time we were in the championship as well. We didn't go unbeaten. But I mean, if we are consistently playing like that, even with voice up front, Smith at right back, and everybody knows what they're doing, that's when I start to get worried. I'm not going to get worried when we're still winning games because I think it's a positive that if you're playing rubbish and you still win.
0: Yeah, it it is a sign of a good team, but I don't know. I, I'm one of them that was obviously frantically searching for updates, and I've got to be honest, when my live score hadn't informed me that Hearts had taken the lead before the 78th minute against fourth-tier opposition, I, I was a little bit concerned, but obviously the goal comes courtesy of the best striker at the club. Um, yeah. Halkett. really is something a bit of a hero for us in terms of bailing us out with, with goals, isn't he? Because I don't know what it is about us in this competition, but he saved our arsenal last season as well, with not only the goals in the group stage, but I think, did he not net the equaliser against Aberdeen as well? In the
1: yes, he did. Quarter final? Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think I also saw cries on Twitter that Craig White not to take the penalty, which Jamie Walker missed, which I understand to get him off the mark, but. Walker scored
1: from the spot on Tuesday, so is he off them? Who, who do you think will take them going forward? I'm not being funny. This sounds like I'm taking the piss, right? But I legitimately think this purely because of the interview I saw with him this morning. I think Craig Halkett should be our penalty taker because he was the penalty taker for Livy.
0: I was about to say, did he not take the penalties for Livy? Because he scored one against us, didn't he? Yeah, he, he
1: for Livy when he was captain, so for the kind of eight, last 18-month spell, he took seven penalties and scored all seven. I mean, there's there's no argument with that, is there? And I agree. I agree with you, right? I I understand people saying for and to take it, but if you'd taken Walker off it after literally four days previously, he scored a penalty, it's kind of a bit weird. But now mm. it is up for debate because... In fairness, though, the penalty is really good. The, the save is just fantastic. It's like everything you want from a penalty. Like he puts it low, he puts it in the corner, and the keeper just inexplicably gets there. Um, so fair point, I don't even know who it was. It was quite a young keeper, I think, as well. Um, but fair point to him. That was a really good save. And he actually had a really, really good game. But Halkett legitimately could, and he was asked about it. I, can't rem- I feel bad. I can't remember who interviewed him. Uh, it was in the evening news. And he was asked about it, and he said he's delighted that he's able to contribute the front and the back, uh, and that he would be absolutely fine with taking penalties. And legitimately, like people would laugh at that, right? People would go, What are you did in the second half? Craig Halkett is our top goal scorer in, over the last 19 months. <laughs> he yeah, scored he's eight. He scored eight. Um, Sean Clare is second with six, and Jamie Walker and Naismith are tied with five. Jesus.
0: That's grim reading, isn't it? Where did yeah. you see that?
1: Uh, again in that same evening news article. Bloody
0: hell. That's actually depressing. Because I, I'd anticipate that Naismith would perhaps go on them again, but
1: No, no, Cal- I don't want I hate Naismith as penalty taker. I hate him as penalty taker.
0: Maybe Craig Halkett's the answer. Why why do you hate Naismith as uh, penalty taker? Because he's
1: only scored one out of five. Is that right? Yeah, whole, I think he might have scored one of them in the cup, though, which doesn't get counted for some reason on TransferMarket.com. And that but, one
0: being St Mirren, was it? Yes, I think so.
1: Aye. Yeah. Um, but there was one, I think it was against St Johnston, where I was at, and it was like, he was stepping up going, I don't want you on this, you're going to miss. And it was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. And from then, he's never taken a penalty for us. And I am fine with that. I'd literally put and Henderson on them for this <laughs> Nah, that's too far. I
0: wouldn't do that. I was, I was going to ask because I, I've i always been a, a kind of sucker. I don't know whether it's just because Hearts have never had a firing striker for as long as I've been <laughs> But I'd, I'm, I'm always under the assumption that your centre-forward should take
1: your penalties. Would Liam Boyce not come under that category? No. I think for me, it's one of the three I'd be happy with any. I'd be happy with Walker, Boyce or... How kit taking them. It is interesting, that discussion, because that for so long has been the case. But literally, I know this is unrelated to Hearts, but last weekend in the English Prem, we saw it. Chelsea got a penalty. Jorginho, who is their penalty taker, stepped oh, up, took it, mean. scored. And then they got another penalty that Tammy and, Abraham won. And yeah. he was like, I'm taking this. But then Aspilicueta was like, no, we have a penalty taker. And then Jorginho stepped up and scored it again. It is an interesting point where it's like, I know a striker will want to get it because it's a goal, but surely you just—it's always better to have a guy in the team whose job is to take penalties.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think it should be. <laughs> this is terrible because obviously I think Craig Halkett's place is like <laughs> nobody else, but I, I do think it should be a forward player, whether that's an advanced midfielder or, you know, an out-and-out centre-forward.
1: I don't know, maybe... Because we've not had a great success from the spot in recent years. Sean Clare was good, but apart from that, we've had no one who was good at penalties. No. So, I don't know, maybe maybe the incredible Hulk is the answer. I'm fully now on the train of Hulk at taking penalties. I'm fully on the train of just sticking them up front. That's the partner Whiting can have.
0: (laughs) I think we should try and start a campaign to get Craig
1: Halkett on beds. Hey, listen, we've got Andy Halliday signed, we've got the Portobello Pirlo. This podcast has uh, abilities.
0: Who is it I saw us share the port? Oh, no, it was uh, Mark dropped the Portobello Pirlo on yeah. the latest uh, Stars Around the Funnel. And there was somebody else I think saw it. I saw it somewhere.
1: Well, I don't know. We haven't I'm mentioned it yet.
0: Into the- I'm delighted he's been drafted into the Scotland 21s, I have to say.
1: We haven't um, mentioned it yet, but we need to speak about it now, and this is probably the best area to speak about. He himself has acknowledged it.
0: Well, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Because it was it was Barry Anderson, um Barry Anderson said about the Scotland Under twenty one squad. And that's obviously when I shared it, but who who has interviewed him? Joel's scared no of Joel Scared in- was. And I mean that's that's mad. That's that's <laughs> cool. That's really cool. It I know, really I, know I know he's got a bird. Well he's got a bird, but he's only a month older than my sister, so I was gonna set him up. But... I thought you were gonna
1: say, but listen, I'm I'm ready for him. Like I'm willing to go over <laughs> just for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate Joel um obviously giving the, the Perth-Paisley account the, the credit for it as well. So no, that's the result.
1: We were what printed in we were printed in the evening news. And, I mean, we've made it. We have that's it. Pack it up now. It's been great. Thanks for listening to all the episodes. (laughs) See you (laughs) later. (laughs) Imagine that. We just ended it halfway through an episode. (laughs) Oh, that'd be brilliant. But yeah, I'm not panicking. That's my overall point. I'm not panicking yet.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I mean, this will go out before the Wraith game. Yeah. (sighs) Have a look at my tweets after the Wraith game. We'll see <laughs> when
1: we've either strolled to a phone near win or been beaten. to now. Do
0: you know what? I feel like there's got to be goals coming from open play, and I just feel like we're going to go crazy. I I feel like we could really do Wraith. I hope that's the case. I hope because that's it the case. Comments made by the chairman and whatever. So. Oh,
1: yeah. but do we want to do that, to John McGlynn? Um. Yes.
0: No. Do you know what? I I would happily save. Are doing for Dundee and James McPake on on Friday. Yeah,
1: Jengosman soul play.
0: Well, I mean that's that's what I was going to ask you because we might as well just touch on the Dundee game now. Yeah. I've got absolutely no doubt that it'll be an Osmond Soul winner that haunts us. Oh, what do you mean by
1: that? That. Death say that! Because you seem to have ways of speaking things into existence. And see if this is the third thing you speak into existence. We are ending this.
0: No, Do you, do you know what was one of my worst? I, this was back when Pertie Paisley had obviously posted on the website and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we drew at home to Livingston one all. And I said, imagine it finishes 0-1 and Marvin Bartley scores the winner.
1: Oh, my God. And
0: Marvin Bartley put them 1-0 up. Yeah. And it got to about 85 minutes. I was thinking, oh, my God. Why did I say that in my WhatsApp group? That's going to come true.
1: I was at that. He went I mental. Was so
0: relieved by a late equaliser at home to a tin-pot team like Livy in my life when Stephen yeah. McLean fumbled that over the line. Yeah,
1: he went ballistic yeah, when he scored.
0: Oh, it's crazy. But, yeah... So, man, what do you, what do you make of that? Because they were also linked. They were linked with him and Nadir Chifji. I find that so weird that two former United strikers could have ended up at. Den. Oh
1: God! I so played for United.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, how his career since leaving us it's
1: mental, really
0: yeah. has gone to shit. It's because he just can't stay fit. No, but I mean, there was the move to China. Which we somehow got
1: a million pounds for when he had like four months left in his deal. That was phenomenal business, by the way. Looking (laughs) like that,
0: why can Chinese teams not come in for our players more frequently? Again, but yeah, and then MK. Then he was at United. Also got loaned to Kelly in that time. Mm -hmm. Like, what a bizarre career! Honestly, we're we're saying all this. We're slating him. I, I will be beside myself if he scores the winner. No,
1: listen, I'm not. I'm not slating him. I think he's a really good player even now, but it's just, it's almost not important because he just can't stay fit. And again, I'm not trying to be a dick there. Like I feel for him because I think he is a really talented striker. Like for us, he's one of my favourite strikers we've ever had just because of that season. Like if you're in that he season
0: team, scored goals.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like. That Rangers game very rarely has a Hearts player had such a good debut. Like, it was fantastic. But I think, so as you said, what do I think of the signing? I think if he can stay fit, I think he'll do really well. But I just don't. I, so we play 27 games competitive in the league. I don't think he'll make it a double figures.
0: Well, so you're anticipating a max of about a third of the campaign.
1: Yeah, genuinely, I just don't. I mean, I'd love him. He'd do well, No against us, but in the rest of the week, I couldn't care no, what happens that. in the rest of the week. But he he doesn't understand the hatred for Dundee. But you know, that's the thing. He's he at Dundee in hell. Yeah, he's at like. I'd like him personally to do well, but if he personally does well, Dundee's probably going to do well. So therefore, yeah. I hope he does just play like eight no, I hope he does well in the games that he plays, but as I say, I think I think he'll play at like a maximum of eight or nine games, so even if he does well, that's still where I mean Dundee is a good season
0: yeah d- d- um does himself justice, yeah yeah we don't we don't want him to do well, we want him to do himself justice, yeah, that's a
1: better way of putting it
0: um but yeah, so despite the two wins and the fact we've yet to score from open play, we've briefly mentioned the Dundee game there, but obviously Wraith as well on Tuesday night. How, how are you feeling ahead of that clash? Because I'm obviously hoping that that will see us spring into life. How do you anticipate us lining up? Do you see that it's going to be a potential debut for Stephen Kingsley, who we're obviously yet to talk about as well? Um, should we have anything to fear in these two for
1: you? Nah, we'll win them both. I don't think we'll win them comfortably, but I think we'll win them both. Because this is how I think it's going to be. I think the Dundee one might be a bit different. But by then we'll have Smith and Boyce back. But Wraith, I think think it genuinely, I'm not even being funny, I think it could be another 1-0. Jamie McDonald's a good keeper. Oh, they've got him! Oh, we might go in. No, they draw written all over it. Yeah, it probably does, actually. (laughs) However, who have they got in front of him? Like... I know, listen, I love Jimmy McDonald with all my heart. If we didn't get Craig Gordon, that's who I wanted us to sign. Even if it probably didn't make much sense, I wanted us to sign him. Um, So, listen, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. But could he, if, like, we batter the door down for 90 minutes? I don't think he could keep a clean sheet. I think he is one of those players who could keep it respectable for them. But I, I mean, I'm saying this, I know as your point, that you're probably about to make we literally haven't scored from open play but i i i'm going to go with it right properly now two nil us against race yeah
0: i mean that's that's a corner and a penalty <laughs> you anticipate another penalty what did you say for that
1: a corner <laughs> oh jesus or a yes, kick can. Mix it up a bit. We need to score from each set piece to be allowed to score for set play. We're setting ourselves FIFA challenges because this league in Cups too easy. That's the actual plan behind this. Nielsen's just telling them, listen guys, you're allowed to score for roll play until you score a corner, a free kick and a penalty. So if you look at it that way, we've eliminated two of the three already.
0: God knows when we're going to score for that free kick.
1: <laughs> Ollie Lee's back now.
0: Walker, maybe, stepping up. I don't know. Right. Um... No, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I was going into them optimistic, but off the back of those two games, I can't. I just can't bring myself for that same optimism. Really?
1: Because we've no, won them I both.
0: I know, but it just.
1: Do you know what? Maybe I am being unreasonable. You're right. It's early. It would be different if we drew one and won one narrowly, but like we won both with an average possession of seventy eight percent. But I mean, Adam, positivity, we're two wins for two with none conceded.
0: Honestly, this is amazing. We literally spoke about bringing the podcast back and this is the perfect time to do it. We're going to win most games. We'll cruise through it. That is what we've done. We'll have positive, positive energy every single week or most weeks. And already that's down the tubes for me. I just, <laughs> yeah, I for
1: know. you, no for me. I'm loving it. I'm still dancing about the place going we're actually winning games of football because I'm telling you right now, last season we would have lost both the games slash dropped points.
0: Do you think that's just to do with the keeper
1: scenario? Yeah. yeah, definitely. But still, it's still a fact. Like we got beat off East Fife last year.
0: Do you know what, we'd, we'd, I say we have some cheek, I have some cheek, yeah. because I, I slated us for the vast majority of last season, absolutely raging that we picked up so few wins, to already have two <laughs> in a competitive season under our belt so early on, it's rich, but I'd, I'm just I'm expecting
1: more, I don't know. Listen, right, listen, I say this to you on WhatsApp throughout the week. If we play 27 league games and win 27 league games 1-0, I'll be absolutely buzzing because I only care about wins just now. Yeah, as the season goes on, as we get ready for the Prem, that's when you can go, right, we really want to see a starter style of play. See, just now, all I care about are three points. We could be battered under the cosh for 93 minutes and Craig Halkett could, could fall over, punch it into the net and the rest looking in the wrong way and we get a 1-0 win and I'd be as delighted.
0: You've obviously touched about a bit a style of play just there. You reckon Boyce will be focal to that though, don't you?
1: Definitely. De- I think, listen, see if by the time we get to the... after, Right, see the next time we record. We'll have played Dundee, which apparently, as Nielsen said, Boyce and Smith will come in. Yes, I know Dundee's harder than both Wraith and Kenbith, but you still think we should be winning. Um, then, if we really struggle, then it's kind of a bit more like again. I, I wouldn't say it's worrying, but I'd be like, oh, okay, that we need to improve in certain areas. Again, though, if we get beat, if we win one 0 I'll be as buzzing. Okay.
0: No, that's okay. That I,
1: silence does not promote confidence. No, I
0: just, I don't know. I just, I, I feel as though we've got, we've got a performance in us where, you know, we'll, we'll chuck everything at Wraith and perhaps gain a, a couple goals. I, I feel like that's, if that happens, then my mind's at ease ahead of Friday. Mm-hmm. If it's another scrape. I'm, I'm then more sceptical. I'm then a bit more nervous ahead of, of Dundee. No, because like, I,
1: I get that. I definitely, I'm not trying to be like Thai for Arsenal fan TV where I'm just going to be like, <laughs> listen, it was raining, so therefore it's a positive. I'm not <laughs> just trying to be like, I'm not trying to be just like blind to everyone. As I said, the County performance was bad, but I'm not going to be too annoyed by it because we won. If we drop points, tomorrow night slash tonight as you're listening to this. That's when it's kind of like, oh, for God's sake, man.
0: Do you know what? I, I think I'd have rather had... This sounds a bit stupid to say, but I think I'd have rather had the Cowdenbeath performance ahead of Wraith, eh, ahead of Inverness, because... I know what you mean. Do you know what? I'm, like, Cowdenbeath was so underwhelming because we'd already taken care of the best team in the group. Had it been... Had we been rubbish against Cowdenbeath first and still won, then you could have looked at that as a positive for Inverness. But knowing that we'd had to step it up against a side of better quality, um, so the race the race game cam, comes at a kind of weird time for me.
1: I, I think know. also though you have to appreciate the fact that we've only had two individuals come out after the Cowdenbeath game, both the manager and Halkett, and both of them said it wasn't good enough. It's not like we have we are saying all this, and then the management and playing staff are going, nah, that's fine. Robbie said, we're going to have to get used to teams playing like that because every team in this division will be playing like Cowden Beath and Inverness did, but we need to find better ways to break it down. So Nielsen was like, he wasn't happy with it, particularly the second half in both games. And Halkett said that he was happy they had a performance like Cowden Beath so early on in the season so they can get used to that kind of team because he was like, oh, we all went in the dressing room and had a chat about it, and it's allowed us to go, right, that's a type of game that we need to learn how to break down.
0: No, I get that. I get that. Do you think Do you think the formation plays a big part in that? Because there could be an argument that one up front with kind of two, I don't want to say holding mids, but kind of two sitters, if you like, do you think that's really necessary? Could we go... A little bit more advanced, even like a four one four one or a even just a bog standard four four two do you think that
1: has anything to do with it? No, purely just because we're not at full strength because i don't think Robbie wants to sit in midfielders. I think he wants because like for example, Ky Nickckey Scott McGill was not sitting. Scott McGill was regularly taking the ball tonning and moving forward, and it meant that Ollie had to sit a wee bit but. When you have Ollie and Irving, for example, because we've seen that against Inverness, Irving was really good at dictating the play and pushing the team forward. I think a 4-2-3-1 really works if we're at full, when we're at full strength because it allows... Because as you said last week, we kind of have two pairings. We have like Hearing and Halliday and then Irving and Lee and you can inter-swap all four of them. Mm-hmm. It means that you've got two tough tacklers, kind of, and two more creative players. Just now, we're kind of being forced to play the two creative ones with Lee and Irvin because they're both. Like, we don't have hearing and how they fully fit yet. So one of them is having to almost not play at a position, but not play to their strengths because they're told, "Well, you need to sit." I think once we get playing more, the, the players will be able to anticipate that. And it means that we'll have the option to rotate it in, and then Lee and Irving will probably only ever play with either Herring or Halliday. Or if they do end up playing again together, they'll have been used to each other and will know when one goes the other is set, and vice versa. We do have to remember Lee wasn't here for the entirety of last season when Irving broke into the team. So this is they've currently played two competitive games together. I just think it's more of a kind of getting used to each other. Because as we've said, pre-season games are totally different. I know we're still treating this as pre-season, which is another reason as to why I'm not too worried. But these were competitive games, are different. So Lee and Irvin still need that time to mesh together.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. It's understandable. I mean, I wanted to kind of get your team for Wraith. Do you anticipate that there'll be many, if any, changes? Or what? what do you think? Because I think... I think now's a great time for Stephen Kingsley to come in.
1: Yeah, I think I think there'd be two changes. I think Kingsley will come in for White and I think Freer will start ahead of Ginelli.
0: And w- what do you think for the middle of the park? Because obviously Scott McGill made his debut against Kingsley. I think he'll stay.
1: I think he'll stay. Do you? Yeah, because Having Irvin's a still away. Irvin's still away yeah. in the under-21s. Um, Halliday has been, it has been said that Halliday will be getting game time. I uh, I personally would bring him on in the second half. I wouldn't start him. Um, unless, however, you literally want to say what I just did and allow Lee to kind of get more bombastic and more forward. But I'm genuinely, I thought Lee and Miguel actually played quite well together. Um, I think you will stick with Naismith up front and Walker. I personally would choose Whiten ahead of Naismith, as I said. But I think he'll stick with Walker in behind Neil, uh, Naismith up front. But I think, because Elliot Freer changed the game when he came on. And Janelle, listen, wingers are one of those are those types of players where they're fantastic one week and silent in the next. It's what you get with wingers. Janelle, he was man of the match against Inverness, but I thought he was actually quite poor against Karen Freer came on, his delivery was fantastic, obviously got the assist. So I personally would start him. What about you?
0: As a head of, as opposed to rather Jordan Roberts?
1: nah. So I'd put Roberts on the left, Walker in the middle, and Freer on the right.
0: All right, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, I, I, I quite like the sound of that.
0: But with Whiting up front, because you're wanting that goal to arrive.
1: I'd personally pick White up front, but I don't think he will. I think he'll go with Neesmith.
0: Because I'm with you. I, I feel like Halliday ought to get some minutes for Wraith to then mm. potentially push for a start against Dundee. I don't know whether a start might still be too soon. I but think it will be too soon. But then Stephen Kingsley's obviously, well, obviously we'll touch on him now because his interview was brilliant with Hearts mm, TV. Yeah. But he said that he ultimately feels fit and better, arguably, than before lockdown. you think this will be the perfect chance for him to come in right for the start?
1: Definitely, because obviously, as you say, we, we deliberately didn't touch on him in the Inverness game because we were going to speak about this, but I thought he came on and looked great. I know we got like 15 minutes, but he just looked a cut above, like especially mm-hmm. a cut above Eddie White.
0: I mean, it, it's no real surprise that that's the case because even at 26, he he's had a pretty stellar career by, well... I can't champion. believe
1: he's 26. I thought yeah, he was much and, older than
0: that. And arguably premiership standards. Well, he even said that in his interview. He's been involved in first-team football now for a decade. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's impressive, even at that, at that young age. Um, yeah, I think the fact that he claims he's got a point to prove as well as obviously looking to help Hearts bounce back at the first attempt, it seems as though there's a genuine want to be here, um, mm-hmm. and a genuine want for potential international recognition, although that'll be solid given his competitors, and wanting to do the best for himself and Hearts, so it, it really does seem like a great pickup. We've obviously touched about versatility, mentioned that with potentially filling in at centre half as well as left-back, but I th- I just wondered with his his kind of his chat about point to prove and you know I wonder if there's a kind of potential extension there. Do you feel as though there's any incentives involved? Because Robbie outlining where he wants hearts to go is great, but if you only contribute a year because of your contract to that, how can you kind of share that same enthusiasm?
1: Definitely, I I definitely see a potential extension happening just purely because one from a player perspective, it provides further financial security. But two, it provides a platform to be able to show what you can do. And as Nielsen has said, he wants to get us up at the first time asking and then immediately pushing for European football slash, if not that high, top four, top six, uh, which every Hearts fan expects us to be. And I think if you speak to Stephen Kingsley, who has been playing at a very high level so far, obviously, as he said himself, Injuries have impacted him because he wouldn't be a heart of Midlothian signing if injuries weren't a feature of his time. However, you're not going to be able to sign a player who's been playing in the Premiership and the Championship regularly for the last seven years without him being hurt or not getting enough game time. I, I think he probably will be offered an extension if he plays well. And I don't see him not playing well. Uh, because I think he'll be first choice. I think my run of left-backs now is Kingsley, Garucho, White in terms of order. Um, if you stick Cammy Logan in there, who can apparently play both sides, I'd put him above A.D. White as well. I just, I think Stephen Kingsley just, he is a, I know we've just said I thought he was older, but he is a more experienced head as well to add, which is great. Especially when yeah. you look at who he replaced in the form of Hickey. Um, Obviously, I don't think he's at the ability of Hickey, but he's got more experience than Hickey, and I think he's going to be able to come and settle everything down. I think he could be quite similar to Adam Eckersley.
0: Yeah, it, it it seems as though I I get that. I don't know whether it's just the the likeness, even when they're on the park, but it yeah. seems <laughs> like he's 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 a kind of uh, he's the second coming of Adam Eckersley, and ultimately, a, a bit. I I feel as though he will become a a better servant than Adam Eckersley because I'm intrigued to see you touched on his injuries there and he's mentioned these kind of mental struggles and what have you. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether... I mean, I, I'm not assuming that this is a, a pay-to-play but if he can prove his fitness, I don't see any reason why he can't earn that extension And as, like you say, I think he is the cream of the crop in that position.
1: I think... Um... There was a moment in the Inverness game, because obviously he didn't play against Kevin Beath. There was a moment in the Inverness game where it was roughly the 85th minute. It was just after that ball got played through between Halkett and Popescu where Todorov nearly scored his first chance. And we needed that moment of kind of security of just going, right, everybody, calm down. Gordon played the ball out to him and he was immediately put under pressure. And he just simply put his foot on the ball back-heeled through a guy's legs, cemented himself, looked up and switched it out to the right-hand side. And I was like, that is what we need. We need somebody in these dying moments of a game where we're just hanging on to a lead to just have that kind of calmness. And I'm, I really think he could bring that to us.
0: Yeah, it's, it certainly seems like that's the case in abundance. So yeah, a, a good pickup. I, I also love the, the kind of shithousery with Having trained at Falkirk, obviously took part in some of their preseason games and then subsequently signs with us. So, yeah, a wealth, a wealth of experience, a bit of a, a nasty side. Yeah, I, I'm all on board with it.
1: I think um, also, did, didn't he say something like when he was like, oh, massive thank you to Dave McCracken and stuff like that for allowing me to play, uh, as you just said, in some of your preseason friendlies? However, yeah, of course, I'm uh, delighted to be here. Like, he made a point of literally going, thanks, Falkirk. You facilitated the move I actually wanted.
0: <laughs> thanks, Falkirk, for bringing me through, selling me on so that I could gain Premier League, Premier League experience with Swansea, Championship, you know, with howl and what have you. But I'm going to reject the chance <laughs> to drop down to Scottish League 1 and I'll sign for a Scottish Championship, well... Should be winners' hearts. Thanks.
1: <laughs> uh, I just—I already love him. And moving on to the next game, do you think he'll play both games, or do you think it's kind of like, uh get him playing against Wraith, maybe give him a break against Dundee, or do you? Do, obviously, it's depending on how well/slash fit he is after the Wraith game. But what do you think? Would you start him in both? Um, I would certainly consider giving him valuable
0: minutes in the Wraith game ahead of Dundee, yeah. The, the Dundee's obviously... The Dundee games of much more importance. Yeah. Um Especially so because they
1: I, aren't playing as well. They aren't yeah. playing tonight as this goes out. They have a break of five days, I think it is.
0: That's right, I think, yeah. Um So, no, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely give them... I probably would chuck him in from the start against Wraith, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because we've also still got East 5 to play as well. So, God, that... whilst whilst I think we obviously will beat Wraith, you know, this it doesn't really matter. Like, it does to an extent but if it I would happily see us be less convincing against Wraith if it meant that we demolished Dundee. Oh,
1: absolutely. I think everybody
0: would be in that boat as well. Yeah, so no, I probably would chuck him in for the start. I'd, I'd also be inclined you mentioned how great Scott McGill was but I would also be inclined to start Halliday purely ahead purely ahead of the Dundee game as well for fitness reasons, but mm-hmm. oh, I d I don't know. I think yeah, no, I I would I would start him against Wraith. And I think he then will feature against Dundee. What, what do you think?
1: I personally would start McGill in the first half of Wraith and then bring him off and bring Halday on for the second half.
0: Yeah. No, Just to shore everything up. Yeah. Keep the back four the same. Yeah, absolutely,
1: because I think Popescu's got to be our player of the year now.
0: Wow. Who who did you say first? It was Boyce, eh?
1: Yeah, I think I thought Boyce. I think Boyce w- will be close, but Popescu just looks unbelievable. Like, he just can spray, like, 60-yard passes, like it's absolutely nothing, and just looks so composed at the back. I know that in the Inverness game, him and Halkett had that wee bit of a scare, but in the Karen Beef game, immediately him and Halkett look like they've worked each other out. Yeah, that's that's a shooting But then you've
0: got to, you've got to consider who they're obviously up against as well. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I yeah. I I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be comfortable against. Well, most championship teams. I think you never know. Dundee might pose one of the biggest threats with obviously us touching on so and whatever. I don't know. I I I'm I'm confident. I'm not as confident as I'd like to be ahead of both of these to be honest
1: well what an absolutely uplifting positive ending to the show
0: (laughs) no I don't mean it like that I just mean you know I'm, I'm happy that we've won both games but let's let's up the ante a wee bit come on we want to get off to a good start a solid start
1: we are off to a good start I wouldn't say we're off to a solid start but we're off to a good start
0: yeah, it's a good start, but we want a solid start, no?
1: Well, heart of Midlothian, you've heard it. You've heard it here for the man that you seem to just continually listen to. So, hopefully, we will see a more solid start against Wraith tonight, as you listen to this, and then on Friday, as we play Dundee in the opening game of the Championship. Adam, thank you very much for joining me. Where can people get you on Twitter?
0: Pleasure, mate. It's Adam T. Kendall and yourself...
1: I am at McIver the Mark. We collectively are at Perth to Paisley on Twitter. If you want to get in contact with us, either tweet us through that or email us at perth to Paisley at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be back with reviews of the Wraith and the Dundee game. Looking forward to that ever closer semi-final soon <laughs> uh, and a whole oh, lot more. Yeah. Oh, Dinny, we'll we get into that it later. It's fine. It's fine. Please leave us a review on your platform of choice, as it massively, massively helps. We really appreciate all the support and we'll see you all next week. Hopefully these games bring goals.